Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Katie Bella Show. I'm your host, Katrina Goodlett, aka Katie Bella. 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 Blizzard, go figure, but we are we are slaying it up. We are bringing you Femi Power, and it is about all abolitionists. So don't let this blizzard of 2015 bring you down. We are going to warm it up inside. Don't forget, go to the webpage at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Kitty Bella Show and check out our upcoming episodes as well as our podcast interviews that are on demand 24 the beauty in podcasts is that you don't need to spend time viewing a program. You can listen to the Kitty Bella Show while doing your laundry, going for a walk, working out, and driving with a hands-free device, of course. Please go to our Facebook page and like our page, please. Please utilize social media during the show. If you like something you hear or you want to make a comment, please do so using the hashtag the Kitty Bella Show in your Facebook post, Twitter, Instagram, or hashtag TWCC, hashtag displayage, everything. Please comment, provide your feedback and analysis. Don't forget, we will take phone calls tonight at 347-237-4756. All we ask is that you be in a quiet place and turn the volume up, please. This is a groundbreaking new show on Block Talk Radio. We will discuss all kinds of issues here, from the mundane to the serious, and go beyond the sensational issues and discuss the real issues that occur in trans folk lives. We will discuss all aspects are so much more than our genitalia. Many of us have persevered despite daily oppression. Trans folk are everywhere. Our lives matter. The fact is I'm not even supposed to be here, a black trans woman producing and hosting a radio program online. So for me, just being in this space is an act of revolution. But how do we push the agenda forward? How do we continuously elevate the conversation and steer toward issues of importance? Tonight, we will have a special guest tonight, 
youth activist and freedom fighter Joshua Allen of New York City. Joshua has been on the front lines of the New York City Garner-Ferguson protest and will join us tonight to share their experiences as a gender nonconforming person of color within the fight. Joshua will also tell us if they believe queer persons of color have been left out of the national protest movement. Joshua, a college student, also navigates the world as a gender nonconforming person of color excuse me, queer person of color, and we will discuss what is that like. Joshua will also share their thoughts on prison abolition, sex work, respectability politics, their definition of what a zaddy is. And so much more. Join the conversation at 347-237-4756. There will be a special guest calling in a little bit later on in the show. Stay tuned for that, guys. That will be amazing. So like I said, there is a blizzard going down right now in the New York Northeast area, New York greater metropolitan area. Um, Public transportation will be shut down, and only emergency vehicles are allowed on the roads in 13 counties. And on the streets of New York, as of 11 p.m., all the transit systems will be shut down. There is a disaster uh, state of emergency declared by Governor Cuomo, and the National Weather Service is really uh, using a lot of exaggerated terminology with this storm, calling it life-threatening, historic. And so I just hope everybody out there, all my listeners, are safe. Take the proper precautions, please. Uh, make sure you stay inside, of course. Uh, there's a few tips. Make sure you uh, check on the elderly, of course. And you know that, especially in our community, transgender and informing community, uh, a lot of our experiences, a lot of us deal with homelessness. So just make sure you check out and check up on folk who you know experience this and definitely need to be reached out to. And a few check-ins might be go long, go along a long way. So that is where we are at right now. So what is the tea? Like really, what is the Hmm. I must first say congrats to TWCC for a very, the Transgender Women of Color Collective, for a very successful fundraiser at La Mama Sports event on Saturday night. It was amazing to bask in the brilliance of trans artists and performers. The cis folk, they were all right. Mm-hmm. However, my girls, Sparkle and LaVeja, slayed it. One through artistic dance and the other opera singing. Dark Matter gave a very deep and thought-provoking piece about the diaspora of their lives, and it was super dope. Now, what event would it be without erasure, violence, etc.? Like, what the fuck? Can a trans woman of color go out and have a good time, attend spaces, fundraise money without constantly having to defend themselves. I mean, I would be amiss not to talk about being spat on with onions by one performer and even getting hit in the face by the same by, by the hand of the same performer. That is violence, not art. If you have a performance that is bathed in such audience engagement, then you need to do a check-in or a trigger warning beforehand. Because I'm just going to say, had it been any other black, excuse me, not black, had it been any other folk from the area in Brooklyn I grew up in, 
Man, listen. Anyways, pour into this work, www.twocc.us. Please look out for our upcoming shows. We have several exciting guests coming up next Monday. We welcome Goddess T.S. Addison to our show. Oh, yes. Please support our black entrepreneurs and businesses. TransHack, Black Star Media, TransHack Social Enterprises. There are some upcoming personal speaking engagements I will be doing in the next few weeks, as well as panels with amazing persons of color. I will also be looking to do a live version of this show. It has been in the works, and it's something I will bring to fruition with more planning. Also, please check out the new queer trans talent agency, Awkward. I'm so excited with the collaboration with Awkward. Through them, you can now inquire about booking myself, Katie Bella, onto the college campus job or get onto your college campus, onto your job, organization, special events, etc., where I can set up camp and bring the same spirit of the radio version of Kitty Bella to a live audience. I must say there is a great joy tonight. Let's rejoice. Yes. Where's my where's class? We need to rejoice. <laughs> According to Monica Jones' Twitter page, she tweeted earlier, hashtag stand with Monica. Great news, everyone. My conviction has been reversed due to trout errors. This is the work, everyone. Congrats to Queen Goddess Monica Jones. She deserves a bomb. Congrats to Goddess Monica Jones and everyone on her team that helped make today happen, including Laverne Cox and Chase Triango. Let me just also big up Chase tonight. Chase, everyone over at the ACLU of New York and New Jersey for the amazing work that they do. The ACLU, including specifically Chase, has helped me fight transphobia and other acts of violence at my soon-to-be former job. ACLU and Chase were there with other more known orgs. Ones that have trans in their names mm-hmm. Turned their backs on me A black trans goddess Tonight Monica will be joining us She has agreed to be here this evening To discuss today's news She will join us after I introduce my first guest Don't forget we are live tonight Participate via Twitter Hashtag the Kitty Bella Show Hashtag TWCC Hashtag stand with Monica. You can also call in at 347-237-4756. Without further ado, Joshua Allen is a queer gender nonconforming abolitionist committed to seeing the true manifestation of black liberation. They engage in radical organizing around various freedom struggles, particularly the abolition of police and prisons and the eradication of capitalism, patriarchy, and white supremacy. Centering black radical tradition, Joshua looks to uplift the voices, experiences, and work of all fallen ancestors, political prisoners, and those who have resisted the imperialist project to bring about freedom for those most oppressed. When they are not calling for black liberation, you can find them having potluck dinners, laughing with friends, and challenging themselves to love more openly. I bring to you Goddess Joshua. Hi, how are you? 
Goddess, how are you? Good evening. I'm so, I'm so, so good. That bio made me want to jump up and go do some more work. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, right. That's exactly the energy we are trying to bring. And so mm-hmm. how are you this evening? What, where, what energy are you bringing into the Kitty Bella show tonight? I'm bringing lots of nerves, but excitement. <laughs> I'm bringing happiness. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing love. I'm bringing the spirit of liberation with me everywhere I go. I'm so, so, so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I felt it was very important that when I formulated the Kitty Bella show that I, there is a uh, inclusive uh, content of information that we are trying to elevate up there. And so for me, it was also important that we get the narrative of gender non-conforming persons of color. And so the youth are killing it. And so what better person mm-hmm. to have but yourself? Um, absolutely. The last time we saw each other, um, we shared space was when at the Lady Dane show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, what did you think about the show? How did you, did you uh, what was your experience like? It was so wonderful. Big up to Lady Dane, by the way. Love you so much, sis. Um, it was it was so nice. The atmosphere was beautiful. It was at the Masao Center up in Harlem on 135th, which was really nice. A wonderful place to get into all the time. Um, where also where Black Trans Media does a lot of their work out of. So everyone should definitely check out Black Trans Media, Sasha Alexander, and Olympia Perez, who are doing wonderful work here in the community. Um, it was so nice. Seeing Dane just shine is like, oh, it just makes me so happy. Dane's voice is beautiful. Her dance moves like are out of this world. Um, like even like hearing her in that short video that was on Facebook of how she was waking up Roots Camp, it was all so fantastic. So that was the first time I got to meet her um, and experience her performance, and it really just, oh, it gave me so much life. Absolutely. I love Lady Dane. And just shout out to Lady Dane. You can support her, her book, yeah, Maya's Daughter. She is also, I think, taking pre orders for her new book. Um, go to ladydanefe.com. I also um, wanted to know, Goddess Joshua, while we're starting this conversation off tonight, please tell our audience, as a person who doesn't identify with any gender conformed by your gender pronouns for this discussion, please, and can you please tell me what being a femi means to you? Yes, yes. Um, So first, my gender pronouns are gender neutral, right? So I go by they and them. Um, And the way that you would use that, right, in conversation with me or just referring to me is just saying Joshua did this, right? So they, hello. Uh, So Joshua went to the store. Oh, so they went over to the store, right? They went to the deli to go grab a sandwich. They're smoking a cigarette outside. Um, And what does being femme mean to me? Oh, my God. Fem means revolution. I say it all the time. I feel like my revolution is housed in the feminine, right? Uh, the feminine is about growth. It's about loving. It's about nurturing. But it's also about passion. It's about fight. It's about strength. Um, and so for me as a fem person, uh, it really, it just means revolution. It means liberation. It means resistance. Um, fem for me is all of these things and so, so, so much more. Absolutely. Ashe, um, where, did you, uh, where did you grow up? You grew up on the East Coast? No, yeah, I grew up on the East Coast here in Brooklyn. Shout out to Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in the house. Um, I grew up in East Ow. New York. Uh, yeah, I grew up in East New York. I'm a hood girl, always, always will be. Um, yeah, I grew up in East New York. Um, I read Brooklyn all day. Absolutely, absolutely. And so what was community like for you as a gender non-conforming person growing up in Brooklyn? Can you talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I uh, grew up in Brooklyn, and I moved 
from Brooklyn to North Carolina to go to school when I was about 11 or 12. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was really just like a young kid, right? And um, for me, most of my memories um, weren't really affected by gender. And I, I'm, I'm very privileged to even say that, right? That I, I just remember being a young person, someone who was happy to mm-hmm. play. I would wear whatever I want to. Um, the community kind of just like treated me like that, right? It was more about like how I, like how fast I would run when we would like be racing, um, what my favorite games were in the park. That was kind of like what informed my childhood, not my gender. Um, and I'm really, really lucky to even say that. Um, so in Brooklyn, that's the way it was. Um, and Oconto was a little bit different. I mean, racism in the rural South is, is a real, real thing. Um, so that really affected uh, kind of like my childhood growing up there. Um, and, of course, moving back to yours now and being back home, um, I'm received by the community wonderfully. Like, even yesterday, me and my roommate uh, were walking around bedside, just, like, saying hi to community members, shopping, eating, getting along with people, and it's really wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm very lucky to say I've always been accepted, accepted by my community here in Brooklyn. Um, I, I always get so much love walking down the street, and it's really just um, it's an honor. I love it so much. Absolutely. And I must say, you said something that really struck a chord for me um, at the beginning of that question. You talked about, at the beginning of the answer to my question, you talked about the fact that uh, gender didn't play uh, that heavy of a role early on. And it's funny because that's my experience now, sort of uh, how I experience the world with uh, being trans. I have noticed that uh, a lot of my oppression comes from folks identifying me as a black this woman and that oppression mm-hmm. and what that oppression is like and that oppression is no joke okay that racial oppression is like mm. and so mm-hmm. I understand completely what you're saying you know and then when we have both brought onto you know the effect it's like mm. it's just so we're going to get into all of that when those yes. complexities come into play later on. And so uh, I wanted to talk about, um, I know I attended the initial New York City protest, did a no indictment charge in the Mike Brown murder. And I must say that at no time while I was there on that day that I feel uh, folks would come after me for being trans. But I also felt fear from the fact that I did not know if the police would enact violence upon my body. Uh-huh. That was very real. And I also must be clear and say I have some forms of assimilation privilege, but as we both know, not everyone chooses to assimilate in some way. So some like to perform and to see how they see themselves. That doesn't always fit in these heteronormative boxes. So you have been you have been very active with the freedom fighting and demonstrations against police brutality and prison abolition, and you have attended the protests and uh, uh, plenty of demonstrations and uh, breakfast luncheons and sit-ins. Please tell our audience, Joshua, what that experience has been like as a gender nonconforming person of color. Yes. So first, I just want to echo what you just said. Um, I think that's so powerful and so important. So oftentimes, if not every time, I'm out on the street and, and met so frequently, I'm never concerned about my people doing anything to me, right, other than, like, giving me a microphone when my voice starts to go forth, right, or handing me water when I seem to be tired or just saying, oh, do you want to slow down? Oh, should we change the pace? That's what my people are doing, right? They're looking out for me. They're looking out for my well-being, my health, my happiness, and my security. Now, on the other hand, when it comes to the police officers who are in the general vicinity, those are the ones who we fear, right? Those are the ones who are enacting violence against my body. So I think we have this really uh, this this really horrible narrative around black people and the way they're painted that makes us believe that oh we should be afraid of each other and honestly ourselves as opposed to the police who are looking to kill us right or looking to enact further violence against us and when I mean kill us I don't always mean taking out a gun and shooting us but that also means like displacing us from our neighborhood that also means policing us as we're walking down the street that you can kill us in numerous numerous ways right you're killing our lifestyle you're killing our blackness you're killing everything about us right and that's what the police are here to do and so. Um, 
um, yeah, I, I just wanted to echo that and uplift what you just said. It's very powerful that I that not one moment have I ever on the street in the last couple of months and really in my life ever been afraid of black people in a protest. What's really been the most horrifying part is the police and the violence they might enact against me. And yeah, just, just can you talk about that, Joshua? Yeah. But can you talk yeah. about that? Talk about some of those experiences um, that you've engaged with with police while you've been out here trying to uh, raise awareness uh, to just this disgusting violence that is occurring against black and brown bodies and trans bodies and gender nonconforming bodies. Can you just talk about that? Um, some of the things that you've encountered. Uh, that police have done, because I don't think we talk about that enough, you know. The narrative always from the media is the other way, but there is. Mm, mm, right. Mm. Yeah, so I, I, I'd love to. Coink, so coink. That, <laughs> right. So one, one thing that I've been trying to pull away from is this whole victim narrative, right? I recognize myself and my people as victorious. I recognize us as champions, as defeaters of colonizers and conquistadors. I recognize us as victorious in every struggle that we've ever been a part of and anyone that we will engage in in the future, right? And so one thing that I try to step away from um, is really playing this victim narrative. Uh, so I, I identify as a survivor. I identify as a champion. I identify as someone who's a victor. Um, but I have had definitely run-ins with the police that have been very violent and have been very terrifying. And not just like in, um, in, in the smaller and less like violent ways, right, of stopping and threats of being racially profiled by the police. But even in the, um, in the, in the most recent months, I had two particularly violent run-ins with the police. So one, um, at Stop the Parade, where so many of my amazing comrades rolled out on Thanksgiving morning, um, where we went out and, and um, effectively did bring our message of black liberation and ending the state-sponsored genocide against black bodies here in the U.S. and also abroad. Um, as we protested on Thanksgiving morning, early, early in the morning, we went out, um, and, and myself and a couple of my really great comrades were on the front lines, right, pushing towards the police, or not pushing at them, pushing, trying to, like, walk across the street as human beings happen to do sometimes. Um, and the police got really violent, right? They're dressed in riot gear. They have on full helmets and these kind of things. And they start pushing the, um, they start pushing barricades at us, right? Uh, and so mm-hmm. there's even a video of it online. I'd love to share it with you a little bit later, and maybe we can look back to it. Um, but there's, there's even a video of, like, the, of me and comrades standing on the front line and, like, literally pushing us down, hitting us with barricades. Um, and on that particular day, Thanksgiving morning, um, I was shoved into the ground and then hit in the head with a police barricade, right? And that was just one instance. Uh, the night of the Eric, Diner, Eric Garner indictment, um, or lack of indictment in that trial against uh, Officer Penelio, um, that same night, that, that was a really crazy night, so much violence, so much anger coming from the crowd. Um, and as the crowd was, like, really t- trying to maintain their, their right to occupy the highway, right, on the land that we live on, um, the police got really violent, started pushing some of us. They arrested a friend of mine, a distant friend, but someone who I still care about and I'm still committed to loving and protecting. Uh, and so as I'm trying to grab him and pull him away, the police grabbed me. Two officers held me down, and one kicked me in the head a couple of times, right? And so I think these – not to play myself as a victim, right? I definitely am a survivor. No, I'm still surviving. But I do want to uplift that, right, that the police are, are not good people. They're not out here really looking to keep our safety right. safe and, like, look out for us. They're actually enacting violence against us. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I also believe that it's, it's important for us to get beyond this victim narrative. I spoke about that last night uh, as eloquently as I could on another blog talk radio program at which I was being interviewed on, and it was like, it was just like, I, let's move on from that. Like, there's so much much more that we're doing, organizing work to end all these systems of oppression, that that needs to be what we focus on. But I also do believe, Joshua, that it's very important for us to talk about some of these experiences that we are, that we are, excuse me, that we are dealing with 
because, and that we are being attacked, because folks are constantly erasing us. Folks are constantly denying it. Folks are constantly questioning us. And so it's important that folks know that these things are happening. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know, uh, what do you believe is missing from the gender nonconforming narrative? Hmm. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so can I talk a little bit about what me being gender nonconforming? What it is for before I go into that. Uh, for Absolutely. Me, non- thank you. Thank you. Um, for me, being gender nonconforming is an embodiment of just resistance, right? Um, it's uh, being gender nonconforming is both a refusal and a failure. It's a refusal to accept the gender binary that's violent and pointless. It's a failure to recognize a system that's not meant to work for us. Um, and so for me, being gender nonconforming really just means recognizing and embracing my multiplicity, right? Realizing and being present for all of my magnitude. Um, and so when I think about myself as gender nonconforming, I can't think of a, a narrative that's, like, empty, right? So while other people may not, like, um, amplify this narrative, while other people might not list it, while some people may be, like, l- like have parts missing of their analysis, when I think of myself and myself being gender nonconforming, I know I'm, I'm, I'm forever present. I'm all there. There's nothing missing from me. There's nothing missing from my people who are gender nonconforming. We're all present, right? We always will be. We're so full. We're full of beauty. We're full of joy. We're full of passion. We're full of humanity, right? And those are things that are important to me. So I, I, sometimes it's even difficult. It's even difficult to think about what, what's missing from the GNC narrative. I think everything's missing, right? Because you can't get all of us. It's an all or nothing kind of thing. My identity is all of who I am, and if you can't recognize all of it, you just don't get it at all. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm sorry. Um, I had a technical issue for a moment. Joshua, are you still the there? Yes, I'm still there. The state is trying to set me okay. up. We're not having it today. Right, <laughs> right. It was like it just cut off for a second. I looked at my phone and it went blank, and then it was like erasure. Erasure! <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I, um, I don't even – I was trying to listen to what you were saying, and then I got cut off. Um. Go ahead. Well, you want to just give me the last of what the talking points you were saying at the end of that? Yes. The, yeah, the, I think the last talking point, and really what I want people to be able to take away from this, is just that being gender nonconforming is about being full. It's about embracing all of your multitudes and your magnitude, right? It's about realizing that I am, I have always been, and will always be forever present for myself and all that I'm meant to be. For me, being gender nonconforming, there's no way of, like, missing any part of the narrative. If you get it, you get it, and if you don't, you don't. I am all of who I am. I'm all of who I'm meant to be, and I will always be all of these things because they exist inside of me, and they will exist eternally. That, for me, is what being gender nonconforming is. Um, and so it's difficult to even um, to really think about uh, what's missing from the conversation about, uh, like, GNC people, right, when, when it comes to, like, me personally, um, because I know that I'm completely there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for you, can you talk about, Joshua, um, what – what is what is this about respectability politics? Can you give me your thoughts on that? I I literally cannot. Like <laughs> these fools, like will literally sit around thinking they're suits. They're like half-ass masculinity. They're nine-to-five jobs that don't even pay them that well. Are like allowing them to be safe from the state. When in fact you're not safe. The government is still killing you. They still hate you. You're still erased. You're still ignored, and you're still disenfranchised. And so for me, it's difficult. 
And I think I'm definitely a person who receives the brunt of, of like, of shade and, like, disrespect from people who are respectable, right? People tell me all the time. There was even someone on Facebook who called me, like, a social media, like, justice warrior recently. Like, who, who does that? Like, these respectable people mm. will really try to discount any of your work, right, um, because you don't conform to their ideas of, like, what doing activism is, right, what being an organizer is. And really, for me, I'm building a life off of this, right? My identity, my life, my spirit, all of these things are, are resistant, right? It's about not conforming. And so respectability is literally the opposite of that. It's about assimilating into whiteness. And if you're a respectable person, it really is about your proximity to whiteness, right? Like the how much you can conform, how much you can be like the white man, how much you can be like the colonizer. And I have no interest in being doing that. Actually, it makes me nauseous. Like why, why would anyone even want to do that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I feel the same way. I just, I can't, and I'm not here for it anymore, and I'm just so over it. Um. I am really over it. Can you talk about, Joshua, a little bit about what do you love? Um, it's a question I have been trying to incorporate more into this show. Um, what mm. makes you special? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Um, what makes Joshua special, and what do you love? Mm. Mm. <laughs> that made me feel mm-hmm. good. Um, uh, what makes me special? I think that... Um, I think I think that these two things go hand in hand. Um, I, I think I'm full of love, right? That's I, I think what I'm aspiring to be. I, I feel hints of it from day to day. I, I want to, and I imagine myself as just being full of love, full of light, um, and, and just looking to share and spread that, right? Um, so a lot of my work centers around bringing other young people into the movement, right? Amplifying their voices, giving them chances to tell their own stories and narrate their own lives. I think that's really important. Um, and so really, I, I think what makes me special, I, I don't need to come up with a list. Actually, I'm full of love, and that makes me very, very fucking special in this world that we live in. Um, and, and what do I love? I love community. I love blackness. I love blackness from my toe, from my toes to my hair. I love my blackness so, so much. It makes me feel so warm. It makes me feel so fuzzy. It makes me smile. It rocks me to bed at night. I love my blackness. I love my people. Um, I love music. I love friends. I love food. <laughs> I love sleeping. <laughs> I love listening to music. I love dancing. Um, I, I just, I love life. I love, love life. And I love life. <laughs> Absolutely. Ashley, thank you so much for that, uh, Joshua. I do want to let you know that we do have a special guest caller on the line, and I just want to usher in that goddess into this conversation. She has a few minutes, and so I just thought it would be perfect for tonight's discussion, Joshua, to bring the one and only Miss Monica Jones. Hello. Good evening, Goddess. Yes, Goddess, how are you? I am doing well with you. I just had, like, the most wonderful day ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you please tell our audience about your amazing day, Miss Goddess Jones? Oh, thank you. Um, well, today, I, in the morning, I just got some really great news that my role for conviction was overturned in a higher court due to trial errors. But oh, wait, it's wait. a small... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead, boo. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that was... <laughs> um, it was... Um, the judge found that um, how so many... Um, it happened so much in our community and community around 
the U.S. that they can use like prior or prior convictions or to say that you have a motive to lie, and that was the case in my um, trial during my earlier trial where the judge said that, oh, because you're facing three days in jail, um, you have motive to lie, and that throws away my presumption of innocence and my um, proven um, innocent and proven until proven guilty, and that was not happening in my case, and so the judge, the higher court judge, said that there was an error in my trial, and so my guilty verdict is vacated, and so I'm innocent right now. Oh, my God, that is so amazing. I am so stoked and happy for you, and this is, and it's, it's, I'm so No, it's really unfortunate that this is something that even has to occur. Um, like, really, like you were just walking down the, the street. Like, it's just I don't I don't get it. I just don't understand the society and these uh, respectability politics and people just all up in your mess. Joshua, do you have anything to say to Goddess uh, Monica? Yes, I do. I, I want to say thank you for your struggle. Thank you for your resistance. Thank you for being willing to be visible with your story. Thank you for inspiring us all. I mean, <laughs> my friends are on the group chat right now saying, legend, Monica's such a legend. So really, thank you. Thank you for just being present. Thank you for continuing to survive in a world that will tell you that you're not supposed to. I, I thank you guys for all, all your love and support. And it's um, through that that I got the strength to continue to fight and and it, this um, fight didn't um, had its toes on me, and so I think mm. that it has. Sometimes you get exhausted, and but then once I turn on like my internet and I look at Facebook and I look at Twitter and I look at the comments that people are leaving me, and and our community is saying, "Well, thank you for the fight," and I just appreciate that because when I went in, I, only thing I was so worried about my ass going to jail and like mm. what the fuck is going on, and so then. Out of that became like this whole movement, and it's such um, it's it's the reason. And I'm just like asked like myself like why, why did my story um rings ring so true with so many other individuals out there, and I was just like struggling. I was like trying to figure out why was I so blessed to have so many supporters, and this like my friend just told me like because like. You take a little bit, like people can take a little bit from your story and apply it to their life, being the justice system, being trans, being um, walking while trans, and some other issues out there. So I just really just, um, there's a lot more people that stories haven't been heard or haven't been told, and I just want to pay respect to them. Absolutely, and I definitely uh I know you said you only have, like, 10 minutes, so I definitely want to just try to get into um, a little bit while we have Monica on the phone. Can we please talk about Joshua? Can we talk about uh, in terms of Monica bringing her situation into this, uh, the acts of violence that occurred against her into this uh, topic of what we're talking about as far as prison abolition, which I want to get into, and reform, and why it's so important and these situations that, like, that have occurred with our goddess queen sister here. Can you just talk about Joshua, goddess Joshua, why it's so important to, to, to abolish this prison system, please? Absolutely. 
I'd love to. So I don't know if anyone else listening to this has had this moment, but Monica, when you just shared those powerful words that I really just was thinking about my ass going to prison, my heart fucking dropped, right? And I'm sure other people felt the same thing. Mm -hmm. It is a fact. Prisons are not good for anyone. That's a fact. No Mm -hmm. one belongs in a cage. Mm -hmm. Human beings do not belong in cages. So when we hear our sisters, when we hear our goddesses, when we hear just other human beings, anyone saying that they don't want to be in a cage, that should be the long and short of the situation. Prisons should not exist. Prisons need to be abolished. We are not meant to live in cages. No, no. It's as simple as that. Prisons do not need to be around at all. That's it, right? Because of that moment that we just had right then, the heart drop when someone that you love, someone that you cared about, when someone who's just like you says, I don't want to be in a cage, that's the end of the conversation. Abolish prisons now. Ooh, go off. Wait a minute. Where is the bomb? Right. Goddess Monica, your response? Yeah, I think that there's some, there's some key issues with the prison system, but it's also the justice system that funnels people into the prison system. And if the justice system's uh, broken, then the prison system's broken. And we can see how the heavy burden on African Americans and minorities and an over-representation of the population is in prison. So I think that's like the... Um, the cause and effect. It's just like, well, you did this, you go directly to jail. And there's no, there's no, like prisons designed to um, make you um, learn from your past or your crimes or anything, but it doesn't. It just teaches you how to be a, a better criminal or just um, places we walk the door into the prison system. And I think that's the issue that we need to address. Absolutely, and I know we just have a few minutes left with you, Goddess Monica. Can you please tell me uh, and Goddess Joshua and our listeners out there, um, I'm, there's lots of people who love you who are listening to you right now, just tell uh, tell folk who don't know a little bit about who is Goddess uh Monica, what do you love? Okay. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? I know you're a student and stuff. Can you just talk about everything else outside of all that crazy uh, mess that went on uh, in Arizona? Yeah, so I'm I'm just like, I'm a sister, I'm a niece, I'm so much more besides that. But it's just, I'm, I'm loved by my family, I'm loved by everyone, and I think that's the most thing that helped me, because I'm loved. And that's who I am. I'm just I'm just a human being and nothing more, nothing less. Ashe, Ashe. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well, thank you so much. If folks want to follow you, where where can they follow you, Monica? If folks want to reach out to you, give you love, if they wanna book you. Get your bookings up. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, uh, so you can uh, follow me on Twitter at tslove602, and you can Facebook me at Monica Jones, and you can um, also join my Facebook group, um, Stand with Monica. And so um, you, you can do all that. Or you can email me at Monica602206 at gmail.com. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Monica. Joshua, any last Thank words? You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love you so much. Thank you for struggling and being so inspiring. Thank you so much.
Yes, yes, yes. Let's give it up one last time. Got it. Yes, God is, oh, my God, that was amazing, wasn't that? So amazing. Oh, so amazing. I just love this show. Mm. <laughs> um, how do we, uh, let's get back to our questions here, but how do we sustain ourselves um, as a community? Um, actually, no, let me not ask that. How can, now piggyback, piggybacking off of uh, Goddess Monica and her struggle that she just went through in the oppression and violence, Joshua, how can we reverse the negative view of sex work, you think? Oh, my God. Well, that, see, that's hmm, – it, it's tough. I didn't say respectability politics. That's just one of the multitudes of ways, right? I think um, reversal is really tricky, right? Because what, in order to be able to reverse, like, the stigma around sex work, what we need to be able to do is go back in time. Um, and for right now, we're still we're working on figuring that out. And not like in a sci-fi, like let's get a time machine way, but really just like, I don't know. I, I believe in the power of my people so much that I know that, that black minds can do anything, right? We can break any barrier, and time is just one of those. Um, but, but really, I don't know. I, I think with reversing stigma is difficult, right, because we need to look in the history, um, into the history of like the civilization of just jobs in general. So I think one of the main ways, though, is stopping patriarchy. That's, that, that's just the number one way, right? In order to get rid of the stigmatization around sex, like we need to just end masculine supremacy. We need to end, like, patriarchal society. We need to end all of these different things um, that, that demonize, feminize labor, right? Um, and, and also, mm-hmm. we need to give people more agency over their bodies, right? We need to allow people to say, this is my body, this is my temple, this is my home, this is what, I, this is what I'm walking this earth in, right? And we need to allow people the agency to do whatever they choose to, whatever they need to, whatever they feel like doing with their own bodies, right? And so these are the small ways, right? So getting rid of patriarchy, right, right will, like, alleviate um, the stigma on feminized labor, right? And that would kind of get rid of some of the stigma on sex work. Um, the same thing with giving people autonomy over their bodies, the agency over their bodies, that'll do it, too. But this whole idea of reversal um, is just really difficult, right, because we can't go back in time. Uh, but, but for me, I think it's really just um, it, it's about not, not going back and changing those things through time, but really about embracing what we do have, right? So, so loving feminized labor, however it's viewed, um, um, or whenever it shows up, right? Respecting people's agency, respecting people's autonomy, giving and, um, and just respecting people's livelihoods, right? Like sex work is work. It's a livelihood. It's a job. It puts food on the table, right? It's a way that people get by and also something that people make a career off of. People need to just respect that. People need to respect it. Absolutely. Ashe, Ashe. Um, you are slaying it. I see we have a few callers on the line. Would you like to take a phone uh-huh. call? Is that okay? I'm, right. I turn to. up. <laughs> turn up. Turn up. Turn up. Oh, let's see. Of your last four are 7022. I'm going to bring you in and just start talking. Last four is 7022. Hi, you're on the King Bella Show. Hello? Hello. Hi, who's this? Jane. Hi. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry for listening tonight. <laughs> I did not know that I was in the queue. <laughs> I'm so sorry you are. It doesn't what happens is it doesn't discriminate if you're listening or not. Right. 
So if you call in, it is a possibility you will be blasted onto the Kitty Bella show. Well, I am honored to be here. I'm honored to be here with both of you divine, amazing spirits. So I just I thank you for the love and for honoring my work earlier. I just want to say that first. Um, Absolutely. And I just wanted to, you know, I really wanted to piggyback off of, um, you know, this, this, uh, you know, dismantling misogyny and and, and dismantling ideas around um, sex work, because I think that the reason why ultimately, uh, you know, sex work is criminalized is because there's this system of misogyny in play within white supremacy. Um, and around the world, really, around the, the criminalization of sex and this hyper um, idea of patriarchal religious ideas about pleasure and desire and um, criminalize, criminalizing really, even spiritually, right? So, like, it's a sin to desire someone. It's a sin mm-hmm. to share your body with someone. So mm-hmm. I think that those ideas um, around sex that that we hold in these father god patriarchal misogynistic ways also bleed into the ways that sex work is criminalized. I mean, if you really look at our ancient cultures, um, the state which also a lot of times was controlled by the temple, and these were goddess temples, also had, you know, goddesses who they say were, uh, you know, she was the patron of sacred prostitutes, so that meant women who were essentially using um, sex in the temples to bring the goddess to people who came to them, and also the profane prostitutes. So that means that these same goddesses also... um, were the patrons of women who were doing sex work in brothels in the city, doing mundane sex work, um, as I say. And so for me personally, like, I always try to um, put sex workers into my novels, um, and I try to flip it on its head because, to me, I believe sex is a spiritual act. And I think that when we start to honor sex as a spiritual act, then we also understand the sacredness of sex work. That's my feeling. Thank you so much for giving us that. Yes. Joshua, did you have anything to say behind that? No, I I strongly believe that when a sister speaks, you listen. Thank you for sharing, Dane. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I love you. (laughs) Love you too, Dane. Thank you for listening as always. Love you, sis. Oh, my God, that was super amazing. Joshua, goddess, oh, my God, the lines Mm. are blowing up for you. What do you want to do? Do you want to take another phone call or do you want to go to another question? Can we do one more phone Um, call? Yes, we can. Oh, I like the way you think. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Let's see. Let's see who's been waiting. The last four. It's five eight nine six. Five eight nine six. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hi. Five eight nine six. Ooh. 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 They hung up. They definitely ooh. did not want to be in the call. Okay. We're gonna move on to the next person. The last four is nine eight nine five. Nine eight nine five. Hi, you're in the Kitty Bella show. Hi. 
Hi, who's speaking? This is Jamal. Uh, Hi, Al Goddess Jamal, how are you? I am well. How are you, Katrina? I am amazing. Did you have any thoughts, analysis, love, affirmation <laughs> to share yes, with us um, tonight? First and foremost, um, I just want to, like, really honor you and lift you up because you're doing amazing work with the Judy Bella Show, um, and I think that's really important that you are owning your black trans narrative and, and, and making and, uh, and creating important media. Um, I have a question for Joshua and yourself. Um, I would just like you both to uh, speak to the, like, hyperconflation of, like, um, um, transness and, and GNC is, um, I guess, like, as an identity, because oftentimes the narrative of um, GNC folk is often conflated with trans narratives, and what it creates um, under, like, this, like, heteropatriarchy capitalism is, like, this divide between um, trans folk and GNC folk. Yeah, I just want you both to kind of speak to that. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I just would briefly like to say that for me, um, we're all trying to cope within this system. We didn't create this shit. So we're trying to cope within this system. And so for me, the words and the semantics are not important. It's how you treat each other. And so for me, I try not to get caught up in all that. I do agree that it does lead to a divide, and that is the point of the system. But I also understand that we do not create that system. And so folks are going to identify how they how they see fit. Um, for some folks, they, as a trans person, identify as gender nonconforming, and some don't. You know what I'm saying? So I just, for me, I don't know. What do you What do you say, Joshua? Mm, I think I think that this conflation is, is definitely a big issue I mean, that everyone's talking about right now, right? And, and I'm glad that we even get to have this conversation and that we can have it in a respectful and polite way and that we both can share from our own personal experiences. Um, I, I think that what we, um, I don't know, as a gender non-conforming pe- person, and, as, and I know that other people have expressed similar sentiments, I think this conflation ends up in gender non-conforming people's erasure, right? That when we have conversations about trans, queer, and gender non-conforming people, what ends up happening is that people who are not, like, fitting within the binary are consistently erased, right? And as we know, erasure is an act of violence. Right, um, and so for me, it's just it, it, it's difficult. It's difficult constantly being erased. It's different not being respected because we don't fit into a binary. It's different. I mean, it, it's difficult not being respected because people can't fully comprehend all of what we are. Right. Um, and I think what you pointed out earlier, or just a couple seconds ago, was so beautiful, right? That identifying as gender nonconforming while also identifying as trans is, an, is a very important and powerful political project, right? That we must recognize ourselves outside of just ourselves and what, what, what we mean to society, what our, what, because we're having this conversation right now for a reason, right? Our gender identities right. do matter, right? They are political. They're not just personal. They're, all, they're political as well. Um, and so I think these are just important things to note. I, I think it's really important um, to not conflate all of us together, right? We're different and that's beautiful. There's so many beautiful things about multiplicity and they need to be drawn out. Um, but also we shouldn't be stressing the differences between us, right? We should be um, accentuating, I think, the nuances of our identity, but not necessarily creating like divisive boundaries that I think so often are happening. Right. Absolutely. I say, I say go off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, that was yeah, beautiful. Want to share what I got is? Yes, that was amazing. 
Jamal, did uh, you have me? anything else you wanted to share with us? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh no, I, I'm just really loving, like, where the conversation is going because oftentimes we know that, like, gender queerness and gender nonconforming and sometimes even transness is just, like, understood through this, like, mainstream discourse of whiteness. And um, I'm mm. just loving that there's oh. a black BNC goddess on mm. the call, you know. Right. Mm. Like, yeah. interview by a black woman. <laughs> I just love media for us, by us. And that's such a beautiful thing because oftentimes we're, you know, we spend a lot of time critiquing, like, you know, corporate mainstream media when we can, you know, in fact, be building our own and celebrate that. Um, and, and and do them both, like, hand in hand. Um, so it's important that, like, this is happening. Like, while we're constantly out here, you know, reading these, like, um, white, cishet, like, media uh, situations that we build our own. So that's all I have to say. That's it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, You're doing the work, That was huh? amazing. Yes. Thank yes, you. That was Thank amazing. you so much, Susan. Yes, yes, yes. Um, let's take another caller. Um, yes. The last four is nine nine eight zero. The last four is nine nine eight zero. Hi, you're on the Kitty Bella show. Hi, hi, this is Timothy. Ah, hi, Timothy. <laughs> oh my God, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Amazing. So good to hear your voice. Yeah, yeah. I'm really enjoying, loving, loving the show. Um, so obviously my um, questions for Josh. I was just wondering. Um, so being out like in the streets and dealing with the media too often, um, especially like youth of color or whatever, we're always told to legitimize our anger, right? So like we cannot just be protesting, we have to legitimize it by either saying like so too often a media source will come up to me and be like, Oh, tell me your experience with the police as if me saying my experience with the police or me saying like me being harassed by the police is the only way I can legitimize being upset or even being out in these streets protesting. So, and as if my story is needed for me to even feel the need to be out here and to like um, fight against the systemic oppression that's been happening long before I even knew what police were. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm just really interested in um, finding out like, yeah, I just want to know Josh, your, your interpretation of how like we navigate this need to constantly give like these shop, these stories about, um, like, this kind of, like, this porn for people, like, these sob, like, victim narratives that they just love to eat up and, like, write these articles around. Mm. Yeah. Thank, thank you so, you much, so much, much for that question. Yes, I'm going to um, um, put you on mute, but thank you so much. Go ahead. I'm going to let Joshua answer that. Go ahead, babe. Awesome. Yes, perfect. Thank you so much, Tim, for asking this beautiful question. Also, I just wanted to quickly name and acknowledge the collective swoon that happened when Tim came on the air. Like, did you feel that? Like, as soon as Tim said, like, hi, it's Timothy, everybody was like, <laughs> but yes, I, I absolutely. Talk, <laughs> I do want to talk I about. Uh, right, right, you, you swoon too. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about um, what uh, you're so right, right? That like, we, so in order for us to be listened to, in order for the media and white supremacy and all of its agents to recognize us as legitimate, we must give them all of ourselves, right? And 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 not not like oh, we just come to them completely open and vulnerable, but we must give them parts of ourselves that are not for them, right? We have to make the inaccessible parts of ourselves accessible to them in order to be heard or in order to be listened to. That is ridiculous. It's disgusting, and I refuse to do it, right? I mean, I also just want to take this time really quickly 
it's to uplift the people who are around me all the time, who I learned so much from, Jamal Lewis, Alok Bebanon, um, Timothy Dwight, Shauna Hussein, uh, Andrew Fan, Mitchell Mora, so many of my friends who've taught me so much about this, right? And I think that you guys, my comrades, have really taught me about what it means to, one, like divest and reject the media when they're asking a, a things of you that are gross and misrepresenting and just not to do it, right? Um, and so I think what ends up happening or what I notice frequently, right, is that the media is asking for you to give them the victim narrative. The media is asking you to legitimize yourself through being a victim, right, through being um, not a survivor but being someone who's like – and I, I think that's a, it's a product of terrorism, right? Like what, that's what the state is trying to do. It's trying to terrorize us. So in order for us to be heard, in order for us to be listened to, you have to be beaten. You have to be bruised. You have to be battered, right? The only people who we really care about are the ones who are in cages, the ones who are, the ones who are shot, right? We can never have stories when we're thriving, when we're, when we're beautiful, when we're happy, when we're smiling, when we're hand-in-hand in community. We only get visibility. We only get shine when we're dying, when we're hurting, right? And that's the, that, that's the narrative of, of terrorism, right? Like we see these things over and over again, and it's so ridiculous. Um, and so I think one of the, my major tactics, and it might not be the most effective one, right, but I think just to answer the question most directly, one of the things that we have to do is divest with mainstream white media. That's it, right? If you're asking us to give too much of ourselves or parts of ourselves that you shouldn't have access to, you don't fucking get it. That's it. Get the camera out of my face. Get the mic out of my face. Stop talking to me. Let me live my life. That's it, right? Um, and also, if you are choosing to engage, right, and, and that sometimes it's a very legitimate practice politically as well, when you do choose to engage, do so wisely. Do so with discretion, right? Do so with, like, taste and tactic. Um, and, and engage with the media in ways that only that, – that can serve you, right? Because that's one of the things that we're, we're here expecting the media to do, to serve us. Um, but it's, you're so right that it's such a tricky topic. But I think um, – I don't know. Just my overall recommendation and my ideas about it in general is that you only need to do things that are going to help you, right? So the media, we're not there to give all of ourselves to. That doesn't make any sense, right? We're here to let them serve us and, and, to, and to give us some kind of voice in a world where we're silent. Absolutely. You better go off with that analysis, Joshua. <laughs> that was oh my god, super dope. Oh my god. Um I often see you quoting Asada on Facebook, Joshua. Um why mm. is black history so why is black history so important to you? Um mm-hmm. and where and when did you learn about so many of our ancestors? Mm. Oh, I just <laughs> this Asada wakes me mm-hmm. up and takes me to a new place. Like I, it, I really, I cannot, I can't sit still when I think about my queen. Asada is the queen of my resistance, the queen of my revolution. Mine, and I want to make this really clear as well. My analysis does not belong to me. I'm so appreciative for what people will say, and if people will recognize my organizing skill or whatever intellect people want to perceive. But really, all of my analysis does not come from me. It comes from my comrades. It comes from freedom fighters that came before me. It's really I'm a product yeah. of legacies histories of black resistance, um, and, and, and I just want to name that, right? And I want to name it proudly, right, that I'm not, like, just a puppet who's talking, right? I, didn't, I, I mean, I, these, all these things that I'm saying are adopted from other people, but it's adopted from my people, right? This is the, what I'm trying, the words that I'm speaking, every word that's coming out of my mouth are the words of Asada Shakur. They are the words of Sekou Ojinga. They are the words of Cynthia Delcoli and so many other freedom fighters, right, who either died, who spent time in cages, who are spending time in exile in other countries. I mean, I just want to name that. Uh, 
And so, yeah, Sada Shakur, um, I, so I grew up in a black radical family, right? Um, a lot of my family mm-hmm. members were Black Panthers. A lot of my family members um, were also steeped in black radical tradition. Um, and, and so I grew up around this kind of rhetoric, right? I grew up around, like, freedom fighters who were willing to do anything for liberation, right, who, 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 who prioritized liberation above anything else. Um, and so Asada Shakur was a part of my home, a part of my childhood. And so I, was like, I want to say seven years old was the first time um, that I had familiarity with Asada, right? Um, and I, so I went to, like, a, um, an African-themed school, right, an African-themed elementary school here in Brooklyn. Um, and then we would say Asada Shakur chant, right, <laughs> like around lunchtime. Um, and so that, that was just a part of my growing up. It was a part of my childhood. And I, I really do consider Asada, as I consider all black people, a part of my family. Um, and so Asada really, Asada and black history in general is so important for, to me because we live in a world where our histories are erased, right? When we're told that we come from right. nothing, that we are nothing, that we have no analysis, we have no strength, and we have no beauty. And Asada's accord means so much to me because she makes me feel that so vividly. She makes me feel my passion, my power, my intellect, my resistance so so vividly, and I, and I, I, I owe her everything because of it. Oh, she's so amazing. Absolutely. And for me, like, I can only think of Asada in terms of my upbringing um, in the same way as sort of you did. I did not get to go, uh, as I got older, I didn't go to a radically inclusive school like that. But when I was younger, I did. And also in my home, growing up in the project with East Harlem, uh, in my home, my mother's apartment, on the wall in the living room was Asada's picture. And so I grew mm. up looking at that picture and saying, Ma, who is this lady? Why is she on our wall? And it's just the importance of just visibility. People mm. just, just the importance of that picture piqued my curiosity to want to know who is she and piqued my curiosity to know about her and my mom and, uh, you know, her, you know, making me do reports and just really digging into Asada. And so I just want to uplift that. I want to uplift uh, that black uh, empowerment, black uh, power narrative. I love it. And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, so many fields. Let's take a phone call, Joshua. The phone, the the, yes. the, the the lines are lighting up. If your last four is one nine one five, you're gonna be on the Kitty Bella show. One nine one five. Hello. Hi. Uh, hi. Who's this? It's a log, and I'm just so excited that. Uh, Josh is on the show, one of my favorite shows, the Kitty LaBella show. Oh, my fucking God. It's a look. <laughs> I think that show. I think that Goddess, how I are you? I am doing great. Yes. I'm learning so much, as always, from one of my besties, Joshua. But I've got a tough mm-hmm. question for the girl now. Uh-oh. Josh, Go tell ahead. me. What is going on with the trans tipping point? One mm-hmm. and part two. How is neoliberalism affecting our radical movement? Mm-hmm. Oh. Is that it? Is that it? Oh, girl, I can go on, but let's start with those first two. <laughs> let's, take, let's take those first two. Let's take those first two first. Uh, I don't quite remember who said this, but I remember one time um, all the girls just were hanging around, and someone said the words, um, the transgender tipping point is crushing us, right? And I think that these two again. Questions, the, the transgender tipping point is crushing us, right? Um, and I want to make that very clear. Uh, and so I think that these two questions do tie together very beautifully. 
right, about what the transgender tipping point in neoliberalism does. So I think it's, it's difficult. Um, it, it's difficult because on one hand, what we're seeing is it's so much trans visibility right now, and that's so important. That's important for femme people. That's important for gender nonconforming people. That's important for trans people. That's important for all people, right, to have some kind of inclusion and conversation and media representation of people who are not just in heteronormative, right? That's so extremely important. But I think what we're ending up seeing time and time again um, is, is that everyone gets crushed under this, right? That we can have five stars who are famous off of being trans, famous off of being beautiful, famous off of doing whatever they're going to do, right? And that everyone else, that's GNC people, that's trans people, that's everyone, right? That everyone else gets crushed under this narrative. So some people get to become famous while more people are homeless. Some people get to be famous while other people's like body is police. Some people get to be famous while some people are in prison. Some people get to be famous while some people don't have anything to eat at night. And these are the, the major frustrations that the change of the tipping point will bring around, right? And I think that one um, situation that kind of personifies this is uh, one, one day, um, and you were there, look, we were at the new school, um, and uh, Bell Hooks and Laverne Cox were having a talk together, right? Um, and I remember I really wanted to bring light to us. This is Cece McDonald, one of the most amazing and brilliant revolutionary freedom fighters of our time. Love you so much, Cece. Um, was, uh, she was starting a, a campaign, a fundraiser right now, right, um, for, to fund her life, right, because of, uh, trans people are so economically oppressed. I mean, that for me is so difficult, and that's what the trans tipping point is doing to us, right? So we get magazine covers, and we get TV shows, and we get all these things that are wonderful and beautiful. Visibility is so necessary, especially for young people, especially for people who have no representation of themselves in the media and just in life in general, right? And that's very important. But I think it'd be remiss of us not to point out that what ends up happening time and time again is that we have the dichotomy of, like, good trans and bad trans right? Good trans ends up being beautiful, rich, affluent, and bad trans end, ends up being like, um, you know, like not shaving your beard, right? It ends up being, uh, we, we, we paint this dichotomy where people get to be visible and ultra beautiful, and the rest of us get crushed under this because our femme is not right, right? Our, our transness is not right. We're, we don't have enough proximity to, to cis womanhood, to cis manhood, and that becomes a real difficulty. Um, is that good enough for the first question, baby? Yes, and I would just like to add, absolutely. And I would just like to add, absolutely. I agree with everything Goddess Joshua said. And I would just like to also add that um, we keep in mind when we're having these discussions that we are coming for the system. We are coming for you, but we are not coming for our sisters and brothers in struggle who choose to identify within those systems. I do not come for them. I applaud them. And not everyone can do everything, not everyone can do the same thing. So I just want to usher that into the atmosphere and usher that into this discussion that we also make sure that we keep in mind that we are we are all different, we are all individual, and that we are coming for the system and not the people. Absolutely. And, and look, I, I, I believe that more than anyone else. I think that um, I, I think that the systems are actually what, what creates these dichotomies. So we could talk about some people being famous and some people being homeless, but actually that's not any person's fault, right? That's not any celebrity's fault. That's like clearly not right. anyone's homeless's fault, right? It is the system. Right. So thank you for bringing that out. If I didn't make that clear enough, I'll say it three times over, right? That we're critiquing the system. We're critiquing the system. We are critiquing the system. Our people are beautiful. We're majestic and we're wonderful. The critique that we have here Absolutely. Luke, was that is? Did you have anything else you wanted to share with us? Oh, there was a second um, part. That's right. Go yeah, ahead. I just wanted to hear yeah, about neoliberalism. Yeah. Uh, uh, neoliberalism um, in, in relation to what? Say it one more time for you. I'm sorry. Neoliberalism in relationship to the emerging movements against state violence, um, be they trans movements, black liberation movements. I know we've talked a lot about how you feel neoliberalism is actually claiming a lot of the political work, but not actually delivering, right? 
Yeah, yes, absolutely. I think that what we're seeing a lot of, and that's and that's across social movements, right? Um, is that neoliberalism is kind of taking over, taking over, and um, and kind of commodifying like black radical work, right? But what we end up seeing is like, is like plenty of pictures of like black radical people, um, but no quotes. Right, we can see black radical people who are not afraid to be on the streets, who are not afraid to have stand off with cops, who are not afraid to stand up and resist. But then the only people who we hear quoted are people coming from famous nonprofit organizations. The only people who we hear quoted probably really haven't been stopped and frisked by the police in only God knows how long. Right, these are black middle class people created by capitalism. Right, who will end up like being the voices and the faces of a movement that really they're not as affected by. Right, and so neoliberalism, what it's ending up doing to our social movement, it, it's ripping them apart because it creates, once again, more dichotomies between us, right? So we get good black and we get bad black. We get respectable black and we get non-respectable black, right? And then who ends up dying? Who gets a job? Who doesn't? Who can eat? Who doesn't, right? And these are the dichotomies that neoliberalism is creating, especially in these kind of movements. And I think that's why it's so dangerous. I think there's, there are definitely ways to troll it. There's ways uh, to, <laughs> to figure it out. There's ways to benefit from it. There's ways to get funding. There's ways to get visibility. There's, but these things are very tricky, right? And they take lots of tactics. Um, but, I, but I think for the most part, neoliberalism is really ravaging our movement, and, it, and it's got to be stopped. Absolutely. Ashamed. Oh, Luke, we're going to move on. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for supporting so much. the Kitty Bella show. Absolutely. Mm. Let's take another phone call, Joshua. The phones are lighting up for you tonight. The last <laughs> I'm so excited. four is. Yes, the last. You should be. The last four is 5 5. Ooh. Where was I? There we go. The last four is 5 5 7 7. Five five seven seven. Hello, you're on the Cubella Show. Hi, good night. Hi, good evening. Who's calling? Uh, this is Amore. I'm sorry, say your name again. This is Amore. Zamore? Yes. Hi. From where? From Brooklyn. <laughs> Oh, hi. How are you? Good night. Um, I'm not calling to input. I'm just calling to support, give support and words of encouragement. Um, Josh, I want to say, uh, you're welcome. To Josh, I want to say continue the hard work um, that you're doing. One of the greatest things that um, from listening to this whole um, entire segment up until now, one of the things that um, I've recognized is that as young people, we are, we are not more so privileged, but um, we were born in a time as now, um, and we are also making, writing our, our words on the wall in history. Um, we are performing all these things, and our future meaning my children and my grandchildren would look back and and they can see the work that you put in. So, therefore, you will be a part of history, something that is very important, and not a lot of people are giving that opportunity. And I just want to encourage you to continue doing the work that you're doing and also to keep the – 
the respect open to to all people, whether you're a transgender or heterosexual or wherever you are, because um, irregardless of, we know that we face many obstacles in life. We know that we have um, many stories to be told. And um, Josh, I want to say from your story, it is truly incredible. It's amazing. And um, I just want you to continue um, be safe out there on this journey that you have embarked on, and just know that there are more for you than those who are against you. Just remember that. Um, you have mm. many supporters, you have many encouragers, and just know whenever you need, like, that downtime to, like, get away from all the the hustle and bustle, just know that you are allowed to be given that time where you can just calm down, regroup, and then regain your energy to go out and continue the journey because this journey is not easy. Um, You are also educating a lot of people who I hope is listening tonight about um, transgender, gay, lesbian, whatever this, this, um, whatever society doesn't want to te- doesn't want them to know like in classrooms this is a platform where people could also learn and I and I thank um Miss Kitty for having this kind of discussion where it's very important that our young people know about these things because these are not the kind of things that are taught in our classrooms and it's sad to say that sometimes half of things that we ought to learn in classrooms are what are taught on the streets, and we know sometimes the street can be very dangerous. So um, I just mm-hmm. want to encourage you both on on um, continue doing the work that you're doing, and um, don't let for any moment in time do not allow the negativity to come and seep into you, because then we become we become depressed in the state that I can't do this, and we want to give up. So don't give up. Do not allow the negativity to come in. That would allow you to give up. Just continue, both of you, on the journey, the beautiful journey, the very Mm. most important journey that our society needs, especially our future children. And and I say that for my children, that Mm -hmm. we need need this kind of stuff. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Growing up in the Caribbean, where I'm from, I I ha- I am telling you I can say I live a sheltered life where I had no idea about gay and lesbianism I had no idea mm-hmm, transgender mm-hmm. I I I am okay I can still say well, that thank I'm you so much that kind thank of stuff. you yes. so much I appreciate that and I thank appreciate your support and calling into the Kitty Bella show that was amazing Joshua your thoughts yes I, I want to thank you so so much um. This, Sorry, you're, I didn't mean so, to cut you off, but, you know, we're not here for the cis people to be taking up space. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so um, it's really difficult for me because I, th- I think you're right in that this, this movement work is really laborious, right? It's very scary, and it can be dangerous at times. Um, I, I don't hmm. – I think it's really tricky for me sometimes, like what what it means to be responded to, and that you're making history, right? Because I'm not looking to make history. People that I know and that I'm looking up to are not looking to make history and never have been, right? We're looking right. to do what's right. We're looking to survive. For me, and I, I really wanted to, to bring this up as well. For me, me and my comrades all the time, we, we celebrate, right? Every single day and every time that we go out on action, every time we make it through a day, 
and we're not arrested, we're not put in a cage, and we're not killed, we celebrate, right? We dance, we listen to music, we drink, we have dinner, we love on each other, right? And so for me, that's not a product of making history. Um, and it doesn't even feel like a product of changing the world. It feels like a product of survival, right? I think that's what real organizing work is. It's about surviving, it's about building, it's about growing. And if you change the world in the process, then great, so be it, right? Um, but really, right. for me, this is about survival. Um, and, and so I, I want to thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I want to thank you for, for seeing me, for respecting me, for, for, for loving me. Um, and that really means so much, uh, especially in these times. So thank you so much. Um, and, 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 and you're so right, right, in that like, we can talk about youth and, and like, really work away sometimes. But that, that, that we're doing this, like, for children as well, right? Um, so that people who have children can live in a world where they're not fearing for their, their sons and daughters' lives. And, and that's... Um, for me, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm very proud to be doing this work for. What advice, Joshua, would you give to uh, a words or encouragement, I would rather say, to any teens or youth who identify as gender nonconforming person of color? Mm, mm, um, <laughs> it's tough. Uh, I, would, I would tell people, teens like me, who are gender nonconforming, uh, I, would, I would tell them to never give up. I would tell them that anything, anything that we put our minds to is possible, that our people have built, have built worlds, have built universes, have come up with like creative worlds of love, of existence, of, of, of just fabulosity, of excitement, of all these different things. Our people have done that time and time again, not just for centuries, but for millennia. We, this is what we do. This is what we're meant to do, right? And so what I would tell people who are like me is to believe in yourself, to trust your heart, to trust your mind, and to really just be who you're supposed to be, to be who you're meant to be. Um, and so, uh, but that, that's kind of like the, the liberal, the liberal summary of what I would tell people. But really, I, some of my more honest thoughts are that I really don't even need to tell people like me anything, right? That there's so many teenagers who are trans and gender nonconforming and anything in between that's not on the spectrum uh, that that actually they don't need to be told anything. There are people who are younger mm-hmm. than me who are doing more radical work, some amazing, amazing work, who are doing kick-ass leadership stuff, who are doing so many amazing things, right? And so it'd be remiss of me to try to offer advice to people as if they need it. Right, because actually, people don't need advice from me. People don't need advice at all. Really, the best thing that we can do for teenage GNC people is listen to them. <laughs> that, that they are, that we are incredible, incredible leaders, um, and that actually don't need advice and guidance. Who actually need to be given the room to do the amazing work that they were born to do? Absolutely. Can you amplify some of those voices right now and usher them into this into this space? Who are some of those leaders that you speak yes. of? Yes, I can. I, I, I didn't want to leave the show without saying it, too. I think it's kind of remiss of me to, like, say, oh, like, I'm a radical teenage organizer um, and, and to not uplift anyone else, right, because I'm one who gets to be visible, but I, I'm someone who's standing on the backs of many, right? Um, so, hey, is it Ogilvo? I, I love you so much, sister, and you're doing some brilliant, brilliant work. I could not be prouder of you. Thank you so much for everything you do. Now, Paranthi is absolutely brilliant, like, slays me every time I see her on these streets. She's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Nancy Uden, I love you to death. Aisha Mercedes. Robin Mann, I love you so much. You're fucking fantastic. Mohique Tyler is doing some amazing work. Led to, uh, like a Mayday protest at 15. Who the fuck does that, right? These are all teenage organizers who are younger than I am, who are doing brilliant, brilliant work. Stuff that I don't know if I could have been doing at their ages, right? Living the kind of life that they're living. Uh, and and that, that, to me, I just want to uplift. There are so many young teenage radical freedom fighters who are going off and, like, and really slaying my life every day. And I want to thank you all for just existing. Ashe, Ashe, absolutely. Um, can you tell our listeners what projects 
they can expect from you in the future? What will you be working on, educational pursuits? What is going on for the future of Joshua? Yes, I think the educational pursuit is going to be my shortest one, right? I, I identify as someone who's community educated. So I try to divest the university system in whatever ways I can. I think that universities are, like, inherently violent, right? And I'm someone who experienced lots of violence from the university system myself. Um, one that I don't, I don't know if that's worthy of time to get into, right? But I, I'm someone as a black person, as a queer person, as a gender nonconforming person, as an abolitionist, as someone who's, like, naturally rebellious and someone who resists things that I feel are wrong. Um, the university has done very, so much violence to me, right? Um, and that's not only economically, but physically and so many other things. Um, and so I identify as someone who's community educated, right? My intellect and my analysis comes from my community, comes from my history, comes from people who fought before me, who are going to fight after me, and who are fighting alongside of me. Um, and that's really where I hope my education will go from, from this day on until the day I die, and hopefully will continue to go from after, right? That I'll continue to be educated by my people, by my community, because all the knowledge that we will ever need in the world is already with us, right? It's among us. Um, and so that's kind of just an educational thing. Um, and really just going forward in my life and my work, uh, I, I, I'm not trying to, um, to set small goals. So the, the stuff that I want people to know about is Black Brunch NYC. We're working really, really hard on. Um, we'd love for people to get involved. We're working on the um, Black Brunch NYC Facebook page right now, and we'd love for everyone to like that page when we get it up, and I'm going to definitely share it around with all my networks, and I hope other people will do the same. Um, we're going to continue to resist, right? Street organization is not going to stop until we get justice, and if that's a long, long road, all of us, I know personally, I can only speak for myself, but I know for a fact that I'm in this for the long haul. I'll do this until the day that I die if I need to, right? Um, that those of us who actually are seeking freedom are not and will not rest. Um, and so that street work will continue to go on. Um, into the summer, there's so many wonderful things that are coming up, and I can't talk about all of them, um, but, but so many wonderful things that are going on. Um, and I'm really in a, in, a, in a great transitional phase of my life. Um, I'm experiencing so much joy, so much support from my community, um, and I'm really just trying to take my time transitioning into all the things that, um, that I, I feel like are destined for me. So I'm, I'm really excited to go into those. Absolutely. And if folks want to get in touch with you, can you just provide them with your links? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm, like, horrible with social media, and I want to apologize for that. Well, no, I don't. That's a lie. I don't want to apologize for it. I'm horrible with social right. media. Get over it. Um, my Facebook name is Joshua <laughs> Allen. I mean, you can add me on Facebook. Let's be friends. Um, and my Instagram name is Joshua Obawole. Um that's really just it. Those are the ways to get in contact with me. But otherwise, I'm out on the streets all the time. Come up, say hi. Like, let's bust it up, become friends. Um, like, yeah, I'm out here. Like, we shouldn't be inaccessible to each other. We don't need business cards and websites to be people who are organizing. We need to shake each other's hands and give each other hugs and love on each other. And that's the way to find me. Absolutely. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Goddess. That was amazing. No. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. This was so wonderful. Ashe, Ashe. Stay warm and please stay safe. And I just want to say, guys, please look forward to next week's show. We will be having the amazing T.S. Madison on the show. Yes, 22 inches, new weave, new weave. I am super duper excited about that. Damn. So, without further ado, I just want to thank Goddess Joshua. I want to thank our Goddess Monica Jones for calling in, Goddess Dane, and Goddess Oak, all of the empowerment, encouraging Goddess Javal for calling in as well, for all of the wonderful insight and analysis. Thank you so much, everyone, for 
the social media. Thank you so much for uplifting and empowering and amplifying this show. I truly love you guys. Please be safe in the snow. Don't let them scare you into oblivion. And let's end it with some, I don't know, why not? Let's end it with some Azalea Banks. Dog, dog, we're going to the grave. If that's what you know.